0: Uh, Whoever is keep pounding 88 in CSR1 has not made a transaction all season. I'm playing against them this week. They have Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, and Michael Crabtree. <laughs> he scored 146 points on me. Wow. I'm going to lose badly. He had five players combined for 145 points.
1: <laughs> yeah, that sounds about like mine. Jesus Christ that's the kind of shit that happens to me every single time I have a good week. And then my opponent scores 200 on me.
2: hello and welcome to the fourth and short podcast this is brian i'm joined by brad and john how you guys doing tonight
0: were you hoping that somebody would bite and say something or or what
1: i was actually worried that my sound had cut out (laughs) and i was about to start talking and be like hey are you doing it
2: or not
0: (laughs) i was about to be like i was about to say i'm not gonna say anything and i was like wait no no he's just waiting for me to say something and then he's gonna
2: apparently my Real. uh apparently my my headphones did not pick up that I was trying to rickroll you guys so oh uh, right. no they did not I heard a very yeah, I, faint
0: sound, but I thought it was just like background noise no
2: nah, I, I was trying to play it doesn't matter anyway um, <laughs> so you gotta Panther, test that beforehand yeah i didn't you know i mean normally it picks it up pretty well when I'm trolling people on p s four with it but uh, anyway um <laughs> so Panthers just beat the Jets in what was an ugly, ugly game. Um, they basically won because of Kalen Clay and Luke Keekley So,
0: hey, the Panthers players too counts all the same.
2: That's true. That's true. And a wins a win, especially now with the NFC being such a surprisingly close race up at the top. So,
0: I'm I'm so- very upset about how close that race is up top especially in the nfc south i mean yeah it's like we're eight and three we should be like cruising to a playoff berth we shouldn't be like uh let's see we gotta hope some stuff bounces our way to make sure we don't fall out of the playoff race
1: (laughs) yeah if we were in the afc we'd already have a playoff spot locked up i mean pretty much it's crazy
0: yep
2: yep. we the panthers will play the saints next week eight at both teams being eight and three and the Falcons will play the Vikings. The Falcons are seven and four, the Vikings are nine and two. All of those teams are in the conversation for top of the NFC right now. It's just it's kind of funny. Oh. Real, I,
0: mean, I know we need to get into the Jets game, but real quick. It's basically like a round robin of NFC playoff teams. Like from Philadelphia to Seattle, like one through seven, everybody has at least two games against one of the other teams in the top seven in the NFC.
1: Yeah, that Bullshit, to me is really what makes it exciting. It's gonna be yeah. fun.
0: It's, it's gonna, gonna be, be very stressful fun.
1: for us, but it's gonna be fun. <laughs> we we've got a gauntlet coming up.
0: Yeah, but that's the thing, is like so does everybody else. Yeah. Gonna, gonna separate
2: bullshit NFC, or that bullshit AFC. <laughs> <laughs> and their guys were gonna we're gonna like stumble into the playoffs, but you know, that's a conversation for a different day, I guess. Um so yeah. I did
1: learn an interesting factoid about after we beat the Jets. um, There have been eight teams that are not in the AFC East in the history since 2002, since we realigned conferences and divisions. Uh, Eight teams have swept the AFC East in one year. Of those eight, Carolina is one of them. So of the other seven, five of them have played in their conference championship game, and three of them have won the Super Bowl.
0: So that's a weird, very relevant stat.
1: Yeah, it is. I I saw it earlier today on Twitter. I can't remember. I think it was NFL research that tweeted it, but um, it could be relevant to us, you know, in a couple of months. So, you know, you heard it here first. If
0: you sweep the FCs, you're in fact good.
1: You did. And I think it's funny that the the game that we struggled with the most, and this is a good segue, but the, the team we struggled with the most was the freaking jets. Like of all three of the other AFC East teams, we, you know, we beat them. Uh, we, we routed Miami. We, we beat new England soundly. we let them come back a little bit at the end, but, and then Buffalo, we just, you know, outclassed them on defense, but we seemed to struggle, you know, yesterday against the, the quote unquote, worst team in the division. So there, there's a little bit of, "Quote panthering" in there.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say that's that's Panthers in a nutshell. Yeah,
1: that's that's the Panthers
2: way. Yep. They they do a fine job against Julio Jones and the Falcons, but Josh McCown and Robbie Anderson. Oh, that that's the problem. Right, dynamic
0: there. duo among the among the yeah. least best.
2: <laughs> They're both going to Canton together
0: <laughs> as a, as a duo. They don't make it in on their own individual merits, but when you put the two together, they share a bust.
2: Yep. Might as well. I mean, McCown was one of, like, I think three quarterbacks this, this season who's thrown for over 300 yards against the Panthers. Um, let's see here.
0: It hasn't we been seem many. To have had... a
1: problem with the McCown family because Luke <laughs> McCown did that a couple of years ago when with New Orleans. So... Nineteen of thirty-six
2: cuts. for three hundred and seven yards, three touchdowns, and Robbie Anderson had six receptions for one hundred and forty-six yards and two touchdowns.
0: Robbie Anderson, like, what the hell? Was pretty. He's pretty good.
1: He's pretty good. Yeah, but that one touchdown he got, the second one was comical. How how bad that play was. Eric
0: <laughs> for- <Kirk laughs> Coleman. Kirk Coleman just decided like uh, that's. I've done enough. I'm of tired this of chasing
2: him. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna run forward a little bit for no real reason.
1: <laughs> Full credit to Thomas Davis on that play though. He was only like a half a second away from breaking it up because he he got in a rush on McCown, but you know there's yeah. only so much you can do when nobody's covering a wide open guy thirty yards downfield.
0: Favorite thing about, about it? Oh, Go ahead, Brian.
2: No, you're fine. Go ahead.
0: My favorite thing about that is Kurt Coleman got caught with his eyes in the backfield, and with his eyes in the backfield, he should have clearly seen Josh McCown pointing, saying, go deep.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he was standing right in front of him.
2: It's funny with Josh McCown, or really the McCowns in general, because well, I should say Josh McCown, because he had that play, but he also had the play where he was already, like, essentially – 75% of the way through getting sacked and decided to try and throw the ball and fumbled it, which Luke Keekley then took back for a touchdown, which is something that he did when he was with the Bucks when he was about to get – he was basically already sacked and decided to try and throw a pass up, and Roman Harper intercepted it in one of the more comical plays I've seen by a Buccaneers quarterback, and it just seems like McCown has one of those in him every time he plays the Panthers.
0: McCown is one of those guys that's so funny because he gets that reputation of being like a good locker room guy, good, smart, heady veteran and all that stuff. And he makes some of the weirdest, most boneheaded decisions. He's very much like Ryan Fitzpatrick.
1: Yes, that's a good but, comparison.
0: Like he did it like the fumble where I don't know what he was trying to do by switching hands at the ball while he was getting sacked. He also has – he's good for a couple of plays. He did it a couple of times on Sunday where he's just kind of like, I'm going to throw it to this guy. And it has, doesn't matter what's going on. You can put all 11 players on that guy, and he'll still throw it to him. There were a couple times he threw it into like triple coverage to a player that was at no point anywhere near open during the play. And he's always done that. It's it's the weirdest thing.
2: It's like when he got himself concussed against the – against the, I want to say it was the Bengals when he was a Browns quarterback. He just like decided to just try to dive for the end zone and get himself destroyed <laughs> for it.
0: Yeah. Some some questionable decisions. I mean, he's but it's it's worked for him this year.
2: Yeah, I mean, no one would have expected them to be in this position. Like we all thought, they'd have maybe one win coming into this game. So, props to him and props to the Jets for not totally sucking. Um, but I will let's let's get into the Panthers version part of this because they weren't exactly on their best uh, playing style either. I mean, like. Cam Newton threw twenty-eight passes and completed eleven of them, like seven of which were to throw to Devin Funches. So literally, Cam completed four passes to people other than Devin Funchess on Sunday.
0: Like it wasn't great.
2: That that that's putting it mildly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it seems like Cam Newton's thumb may have been more of a problem than people realized. And because there, there were plays where, like, the one example, the glaring example was when Greg Olson was, like, open in the end zone and and Cam just missed him. Like, I think he threw maybe a yard too far and it would have been an easy touchdown completion. Instead, Olson just, it was just an incomplete pass. And I believe they kicked a the field goal. Um,
0: to so elaborate I, on, on that point, uh, receivers, Cam, when throwing to people were not named Devin Funches, um, four completions on 15 targets.
1: That's not good.
0: That's barely. That's less than a third.
1: Yeah, that's that's really <laughs> bad. I, I know. I know people like to hate on him and harp on completion percentage, but you know they have a point on that one. That's that's a bad stat. Four for he,
0: 15 is pretty low. Is an unacceptable completion percentage.
1: Yes, and you know I'm not making excuses for him because you know why should I. Um but I, I do think his thumb was the biggest problem yesterday. It was clearly bothering him. Uh luckily uh you know, Kaylin Clay and Luke Keekley made those two two touchdowns in the second half. Otherwise we would probably be very upset today. That's how bad most of the team was for most of the day.
0: We would be hearing a lot of Derek Anderson Garrett Gilbert talk right now if yeah. uh we <laughs> lost that game. And the
2: crazy, the the sad part is too, like uh the rushing game wasn't all that bad. I mean, like, Jonathan Stewart still went went back to his whole, like, averaging less than two yards per carry deal. But, like, Christian McCaffrey seemed to run well, but most of his yards came on a 40-yard carry. Like, we see flashes of what this team can be, but then we see Cam Newton either missing passes or Cam throwing a ball to an open receiver and they drop it, you know?
0: Yeah, I don't well
2: to I don't know how long this can last with Carolina not being able to find themselves when the Atlanta Falcons and the and the New Orleans Saints both po- both boast like really polished offenses.
0: Well, contrary to what uh Thom Brenneman and his Debbie Downer self would have you believe, McCaffrey did run pretty well aside from the forty yard run. Um he had so six that was carries a bad
2: re- run? I'm just curious.
0: Th- th- what?
2: That was a bad run?
0: No, like I say, he had the forty yard run, and that was good and I know listening to the broadcast on sunday, um Tom Brenneman made it sound like that was the only positive play he like the running backs had made um he still averaged he was six carries for f- twenty two yards, which is a smidge under four, which yeah. is not bad for a guy when you've taken out his best carry of the game um so he was he he consistently moved the ball and then he broke out the one big play um and what I'm trying to say is if you, his his six worst carries averaged to be about the same as Jonathan Stewart's single best carry for the game, which was four yards.
2: Yep. Jonathan Stewart is good on the goal line, I, I guess is the best way is the best, the best, the best praise I can give to him at this point. He still, he still can make plays on the goal line, but it seems like the offense really needs to move on from, from him and move on more towards McCaffrey and, Artis Payne as the primary guys. And Artis Payne only got one carry on su- on Sunday, which he gained nothing on. But yeah, it's I hard would... for me to fall to running back for that because running backs generally are used to, like, getting into a groove with running the ball. So
0: Yeah, and then, yeah, I would like to see them move to a more 50-50 split for carries. And then, let like, Cameron Artis Payne, you know, sprinkle in a, a couple, like a, maybe a, a drive, like one drive each half maybe.
2: Jonathan Stewart carried the ball 15 times on Sunday. Which, yes. Which, aside from Cam Newton, the next highest number of touches was Christian McCaffrey with 70, which mm-hmm. we've seen over the last few weeks that McCaffrey has been more effective than Jonathan Stewart.
0: Yeah, so McCaffrey in the last three weeks – His yards per carry has been 4.4, 4.6, 8.9. So consistently good and trending in the right direction. Jonathan Stewart had that great 6.5 yards per carry, that 100-yard game against the Dolphins. On either side of it, he averaged 1.9 yards per carry and 1.7 yards per carry. With a long of nine yards against the Falcons and a long of four yards against the Jets.
2: Agreed. It just seems like are trying too hard to keep him involved like mm-hmm. it's okay to have him like carry the ball five six seven times a game like yeah not like he's not like he can't contribute but like they just they seem really intent on making him the bell cow still and it's clearly not working like the Dol- not every team they're gonna play is gonna be the dolphins you know Yeah,
0: the dolphins <laughs> look very disinterested in doing anything on monday night that game yeah
1: yeah it's almost like they don't understand the concept of a sunk cost, you know mm-hmm. they've already spent the money, so they I guess they feel like, well, we've already paid the guy. we need to get everything we can out of him. You know you don't have to do that, uh you know, you've already paid the money if if you're not gonna get any production, it's okay to just chalk it up as a loss and do what you two have already said. And go to a Christian McCaffrey, Cameron Artis Payne, you know, split. And, and, you know, just let Jonathan Stewart be our Mike Tolbert until it's economically responsible to get rid of him. Because that's the next step in this. Well, that should be, I should say, should be the next (laughs) step in this. It won't be because Jonathan Stewart obviously has keys to Charlotte. And, um...
2: But, you know, he's got naked pictures of Jerry
1: Richardson, too, by the way. Yeah, he has to because, you know, I I didn't get too hyped up about his his game against Miami and I, I thought he looked good. I thought he ran well. But like we've talked about, it didn't really prove that anything other than he had a good game and I still hold to my newly formed opinion due to John's incessant. Beating me over the head with it that Jonathan Stewart has done. Am
0: right. Is the returns of his or rumors of his resurrection were greatly exaggerated? Yes. He's averaging two point eight yards per carry against the not Miami Dolphins this year. So, so
2: we wanna, we, since we want to, since we want to be pessimistic, let's start with the pessimistic piece of this. Good
0: segue. Good
1: job, um, Ryan. You're really growing into this hosting a podcast role. <laughs>
2: All right, it's been a great show, guys. Signing off. <laughs> know, for a podcast, by our t-shirts. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so I'll start with Brad since he wasn't overly talkative aside from the very end there. Um, who are you most pessimistic about following the Jets game? Cam. Damn, just came right out with it. All right, yeah. go ahead. <laughs> mean, he
1: looked awful. I mean, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because I think his thumb played a huge role in it. But he looked awful awful yesterday like he couldn't if it wasn't Devin Funches and we've already said this but if it wasn't Devin Funches he could not complete a pass for anything he missed wide open Greg Olson he missed wide open Christian McCaffrey he missed Ed Dixon Uh, he just he could not find open receivers now Ed Dixon did not do him any favors I will also hate on Ed Dixon Um, we can go into more detail with that later. I'm sure one of you will probably pick Ed Dixon as your pessimistic because he made some plays that I honestly believe he shouldn't have been allowed to come back to Charlotte. Um, but you know, overall it falls on the shoulders of the quarterback, uh, and and Cam Newton was not responsible for us winning that game. He, he had a rushing touchdown and that's, And he had a couple of good throws to Devin Funchess. And other than that, he had nothing worth being happy or positive about at all.
0: Yeah, he was – yeah, I forgot about the thumb injury too. And I was just like, dang, what is wrong with him? And then it just kind of clicked. It was like, oh, I wonder if that – if it's not a coincidence that – because he was – it wasn't like this is the norm from this year. Like he was – he's been precise and pretty sharp the last few weeks. I don't think it's coincidence that out of nowhere – yeah, uh, it, it was. It was. It had, be, um, one.
1: Yeah, it had to be because he, like you said, he, it just, you know, three, four weeks in a row, he's been lights out and then he, he lays that egg. And he just, it, it, the the thumb is the only explanation. Either that or he's forgotten how to play football and we're in really big he, trouble. He
0: didn't play for two whole weeks. He, uh,
1: yeah.
0: I'd have forgotten. I wonder what's wrong with it, though. It's very odd that he just came out of the bye week with a thumb injury he didn't have before the bye week.
1: I I mean, he might have burned his thumb serving turkey to to the kids or something. (laughs) I don't don't know, but...
2: I I do want to segue into who I'm pessimistic about because it kind of goes hand-in-hand with what you said, Brad. Um, Offensive line looked like shit against the Jets. Like, Cam only, and I say only, like, in the most liberal sense possible, he was only sacked three times, but he should have been sacked a hell of a lot more by that front seven, like I, I, I get the whole. I get the ideas that like Cam Newton wasn't throwing well. He definitely wasn't, but he was under pressure. At least, I can recall at least in the first half, he was under pressure almost the whole game. Like when he tried to drop back, there were times when the protection held up for him. But like I remember seeing all three of those good Jets offensive or defensive linemen in his face many, many times. And he was run for his life at times. It's like. You can't you can't expect your quarterback to be a precision passer and making those like crisp, um, precise throws when he's got people all over him all the time. And it just it kind of drove me nuts because like the Panthers have done well against like front against good front sevens, but the Jets just got after him in that game. Like they could have scored fifty points if Cam wasn't under as much pressure as he was in that game.
0: It was very reminiscent of early 2016 or 2017 and all of 2016, where it was just like every drop back is just a mess around him. He's got to kind of navigate through everything before he can even start to look for receivers.
2: Exactly. And like they had a a few good plays. Like, for example, the the big rush by McCaffrey was sprung by Andrew Norwell on a great block. Um, He did have time at times to throw the ball deep down the field, which is something he's pretty good at. But it's just not—that's not feasible against teams like against the good teams in the NFC. Like you can't—you're not going to to score 35 points against them when your offense is constantly allowing your quarterback to be under pressure.
0: Yeah, it's not a recipe for success. Um, I have no segue to my pessimistic thing, but mine's Daryl Worley.
1: Can't blame you there. I I can't blame you there.
0: I'm sure I don't know how. Like I. Because he's a corner, I can't, I didn't see him on an uh, every single snap basis thing. But he had a sequence where he like single handedly let the Jets drive down the field. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, like he got burned badly on, I think he got burned badly by like Jermaine Curse and then he committed a penalty and then he got beat again. I don't know. It was just, he made like three consecutive bad plays that put the Jets from like their own 40 into like goal to go territory.
2: Now we know why Kevon Seymour ha- might take his spot. Yes. Just sad. <laughs>
1: yeah, Worley, Worley likes to complain about platooning with Kevon Seymour, but, you know, buddy, you need to watch the game film from Sunday, and you'll see why. Because I honestly believe it's time to just let Seymour be it full-time, and Worley needs to be relegated to special teams. He needs to get the Teddy Williams treatment.
0: Especially if we were going more man-to-man, which we are. Worley... They even said it that they they like Worley as his own quarterback, and we don't play that much zone. I mean, we play a little bit, but we kind of do that. Like CP talked about all the pattern matching we do. Uh, he can't. He doesn't seem to stick well with guys at all.
2: Worley is a better rush defender than Kevon Seymour. I, I'd argue that he's the best rush defender the Panthers have right now as a cornerback. But that's not enough to keep you on the field as a as a full time starter. Like you have to be able to cover passes. You have to be able to drive down on the underneath routes when they are thrown to you. And I agree. I mean, I didn't see much of, I didn't see much from Worley aside from some good plays and run defense on Sunday, where I would think that he should be starting for Carolina.
0: Yeah. I know he had one nice pass break, I think, but it just, as a corner, it's one of those things. Like if you get noticed, you're probably doing poorly. And he got noticed a lot, um, at least on my TV on Sunday.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and not having Munerlin around definitely sucked too because it, it did it,
0: make a difference.
2: Yeah. Because it, it kind of forced those two, Bradbury and Worley, to be more like effective because they didn't have Munerlin in the inside bailing him out at times. So I it agree, put, I think Worley i it also
0: put Shaq on the in the in the slot a couple times, and there's one time where he uh never got within like eight yards of the guy he was supposed to cover. <laughs>
2: Uh, it sucks that Worley isn't doing so well. Hopefully he takes his time and starts to progress a little bit, but so far there isn't really much telling me that he should be playing over Kevon Seymour. No, Um, I agree with that. Because Seymour, if if what the coaches say about the whole man coverage thing is to be believed, you would think that letting him and James Bradbury play man coverage more would would behoove the defense because then they're not allowing the offense to take advantage of zones and holes in zones, which is something that Drew Brees is going to do to
0: them. Who do you feel better about? Who's your optimistic, Brian?
2: (laughs) So, I'm going to take the easy route here, but it's mainly because I actually just, I've felt very strongly that Moving on from Calvin Benjamin did make sense, and I feel like Devin Funchess has been more effective now that he's taking on that role. But yeah, Devin Funchess. Um And the one thing that I can point out as evidence there is there was a play against the Jets where Devin Funchess was running a route isolated in coverage against one of the one of the Jets corners, and he looked back at Cam Newton after about a five to six seven yard. Um, route which the corner then stopped because it seemed like the corner was going to try and jump the route and then Devin Funches continued to go he pushed himself forward and made a catch on what was essentially just a go route like it was a just a straight run straight down the field type play like that's not anything that's hard to defend or telegraph when someone's running straight down the field you just have to run with them and he did a really good job intellectually of getting that of getting himself open like it wasn't like he ran a great route he just did something a very nuanced thing to get himself open and what I see with that is Funches is a very similar player to Kelvin Benjamin in his size and his speed but he's doing more of the things that get him open than Kelvin Benjamin was and I think that's why Funches has flourished so much over the last few weeks because now he has the opportunity to really show what he's got and He's only 23 years old, by the way. Like, this, they could sign him to a five year contract after this, after next season, and he would still only be 28, 29 at the end of that contract. Like, the Panthers can lock him in and keep him around for a long time and not worry about age catching up to him.
0: I said Devin Funches was bad at the beginning of the season. Uh, he's proved me wrong. Oh. I, I've been very exap- ex- happy, happy about his uh, breaking out since Kelvin Benjamin's been gone. He, if um, extrapolating is always accurate, and we're going to extrapolate big time here, his three-game stretch since we got rid of Benjamin, uh, or if you took that to like a whole 16-game season, he would finish the season with 91 catches for 1,500 yards.
1: Oh, so he's basically Megatron. Now that we Basically. don't have Kelvin Benjamin. Okay, great. Basically.
0: great. <laughs> He's averaging five and a half catches and 95 yards a game. So, yeah, that comes out for a full 16-game season. It's uh, over 90 ca- over ninety catches and over 1,500 yards. So that's, that's good. He's and even been playing more, well.
1: Yeah, an even more impressive stat. I have him on my fantasy team, and his production hasn't Nobody cares been about your fantasy off team. off of a cliff. No, I'm saying, he. usually when I have you on my fantasy team, your production falls off of a cliff, and he, he has risen above that. So he he's even better than the curse of me. So, you know, he, like, he's first ballot Hall of Famer.
0: It's like Josh Gordon going off for 1,600 yards on the Browns. Exactly. Factory of Bradness, factory of sadness. It's all the same. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> all right, John. Uh, who are you?
2: Who are you optimistic about?
0: Um, we already talked about Christian McCaffrey. He would be a good candidate. Um, I'm going to say Julius Peppers because he's been quiet for a while, and I was happy to see him get another sack, and he made a couple good run stops too.
2: Three, so, three tackles, one sack. One tackle for a loss, one quarterback hit. Yeah, it's not bad for a pass. Not passer. bad.
0: It's, yeah, especially when he's uh fifty six years old.
2: Could have swore he was fifty
0: seven. I mean he could be. He did have a birthday. Um <laughs> it's it's one of those things where it's like you don't you know, he with how old he is, it's very easy for him to slow down as the season's gone, which he kinda has. It was nice for him to to reappear. And I left, I left the easy one for for Brad that I know you're gonna pick.
1: Go ahead, uh, I Brad. was gonna say Kalen Clay.
0: I was, I was, yeah, exactly.
1: I I've always liked him. I liked him in the preseason. I was actually upset that we got rid of him. I, I thought, you know, you know, I thought it was a mistake to trade him. Uh, long, you know, looking back on it, we actually stole Kevon Seymour from the Bills because we got Clay back. Hashtag block my Twitter
2: there. Thank yeah, you. yeah,
1: okay. Um, <laughs> it's
0: at Brian Beverslus.
1: At Brian Beverslus. Yeah, good follow him on Twitter because he's sad and he doesn't have any friends. So, oh god, boy. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm if Kalen Clay can turn into a good slot number three receiver, you know he could be a better Philly Brown, and that's really all that we need him to be. Uh, we we need somebody to fill that Ted Gann role, and I think he can do it. Uh he looked amazing on that punt return
0: yesterday. Um it's not often you see like a legitimate Madden circle button spin move in a real football game. Yeah, I know. I was
2: I was just about to say that. That legit looked like that like stock animation where you hit you hit circle at just the right time and the defender gets juked out of his jock strap. That was exactly yeah. what that looked like. The oh, only other yeah, one I, I can
0: think, think of is Braxton Miller a couple years ago when he was still at Ohio State. Yeah, other than that i, I actually you don't felt do that bad
1: time. for the guy who tried to tackle him. The
0: poor name. long snapper
1: he dove it and he, he dove at him and he just he got air and you know it was sad
0: and then he, he, he just face planted, and lit on his face it was Terrible. it was not a good look i will
2: say i i agree i was actually thinking that myself today about the whole philly brown point like Carolina obviously misses Ted Ginn um but Kaelin Clay brings a lot to the table that Philly Brown did and Ted Ginn did like that that 20 something yard rush by him as well was another one where like they were able to utilize the speed they have on offense because teams are going to always game plan for Cam Newton they're always going to be keyed in on him so those Wide receiver reverses seem like they're just not going to go away. Like you, you, I feel like every time they run one, at least one in a game, they're going to get a decent gain out of it. And Clay didn't catch the one ball that was thrown to him, or the one ball that he could have caught. But he's definitely giving he's definitely giving himself plenty of reasons to get more opportunities. And Carolina needs that speed threat, especially now that Curtis Samuel isn't around and That big game for him is going to be a confidence booster, and I really hope that Carolina tries to involve him more after that.
0: Yeah, he I like that reverse. The fact that we let Cam Newton run now makes that reverse so much more effective. And then when you have guys like we don't have like Samuel and now Kalen Clay that are that fast, there's no reason that if we run that play once every two to three games, when you know after it's kind of been dormant for a while, that we can't average like 25 yards a play on that play
2: because in in the moment the defense is gonna be like cam newton's keeping this ball what's gonna happen yeah so it makes sense for that receipt that forgotten receiver like christian mccaffrey running that route probably not gonna work as well but like kaylin clay defenses aren't gonna be thinking about that in the moment they're gonna be thinking about Mm -hmm. cam newton so
0: yeah especially yeah with how well he's been running the ball definitely uh something they have to account for What'd you guys think of the play calling speaking of those reverses and stuff? What's your shula? What's a shula review say?
2: Uh, Great segue. Great I'm I'm actually
1: gonna I'm gonna probably go against the grain here with Mike Shula. I thought of he course. called a pretty good game. I mean, there were there were some ideas he had that were good ideas, and Cam just missed or Ed Dixon didn't get open or didn't try or you know things like that. I don't think there was any problem with the with the play calling, so You're really speak. people with Ed Dixon, huh?
2: I yeah, going to try to have a twitter war with him a little Twitter
1: no, feed. he probably would quit before he got to the the finish line if we did
2: oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh.
0: Sad. well, he would wait until after you already like blocked him, and then he would reply, yeah, after it wasn't after it didn't matter anymore
2: Ed Dixon, we love you, we're all being sarcastic by the way.
0: No, I
1: I think he should be cut.
2: (laughs) Jesus, that's
1: that's okay. That hurts, man. Well, let's let's go ahead and man hurts. Get it? Yeah, (laughs) that was great. Um, well done. Um, (laughs) you're going for two in a game where you're well. First of all, he shouldn't have been put in the situation because Graham Gano should make extra points.
0: But it would be his job. Yes,
1: that is his job. Harrison Butker would have made that extra point. Oh
2: Let it go. No,
0: Actually, go know, no, no, no. We haven't talked about the kicker. Uh, the, the kicking decision has not been discussed enough, either on this podcast or Casca Trader as a whole. I think we need to visit it for a good twenty to thirty minutes.
2: I think well, we that's we can a great idea. After Brad's point, all right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> you need a two-point conversion because your kicker missed an extra point. The The Panthers have the ball. Cam throws it to you. First of all, why are you running a one-yard route on a two-point conversion from the two-yard line? Why are you not in the end zone? Second of all, when you catch it and you run towards the goal line and you get hit by a defender, why do you not outstretch your arm? All he had to do was stretch his arm out, you know, eight inches, a foot, whatever, and it's a two point conversion because he barely got stopped before he crossed the line. Why isn't there any effort there? Why are you being lazy? Why are you not giving everything you've got for for those points? And it those things bother me more than the than lack of talent. Like you know, Brian, you know, brace yourself, but like Brenton Burson, that's one of the oh reasons I like that's one of the reasons I like Brenton Burson because you can see the effort you can see the hustle you can it, he's not the best receiver on the team, but he doesn't quit that's not true and I don't like quitters that's why I didn't like Kelvin Benjamin. I don't like quitters yeah you're you're playing a game, you're getting paid millions of dollars, but if you're not gonna do that extra go the extra mile in a game that really was a must win game if we want to be honest carolina had to win yesterday because or sunday because you're going to listen to this on tuesday um maybe wednesday don't or maybe wednesday depends on how lazy john is but um you know if we would have lost to new york we would be facing we would be you know seven and four and we would be facing new Orleans and then Minnesota and Atlanta is also seven and four. So we had to be eight and three. We had no choice and Ed Dixon could have cost us the game. And it's, it's stuff like that. To me, you should be demoted. He's actually lucky that Greg Olson re-injured his foot because now we need him and, you know, if it were up to me, he probably would be either released or benched for the rest of the year. Just because he didn't <laughs> try.
0: That's 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 a that's a fire take if you're a coach. Um I thought it was I don't know if it was an effort or just a poor awareness thing. Because, I uh, it could have been that.
1: It could have been awareness. He could have thought he was in the end zone, but Which
0: is also bad. I mean there's I, no reason to not reach out because um you there's no loss I mean if you fumble the ball like what are the odds that they're going to put up and run it back you have nothing to lose by reaching out even if you do think you're in the end zone already
2: I genuinely think that it was an awareness thing and that's not a good thing for him regardless because that shouldn't take any fault of him considering he's been playing in the NFL for like 15 years (laughs) like you should know where you are on the field when you catch the ball so I agree like He should have have reached out. And I thought that to myself when I saw the replay. I was like, why didn't you just move the ball out like a little bit? Like, even when you hit the ground and if if the ball comes out, it's still a touchdown. Like, you've established possession there. So I agree. I'm I'm not going to absolve him of that. But I do think it was an awareness thing more so than a, like, oh, I'm in the end zone type thing. So hopefully Greg Olson will be back and 100% healthy soon. Because he's a better tight end than Ed Dixon, and I don't think that anybody's going to disagree with me on that.
0: Uh, cool the jets Races. a little bit. Racist. Anyway, so who had more? We're... Who had more? Who had more receiving yards on Sunday? <laughs> Ed Dixon did.
2: I'm not going to respond to that. Um, said, I'll so... respond. <laughs> so I guess to end our our podcast, whoa, 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 whoa. what did
0: you think? Of, wait, wait, wait! I, no,
2: no, 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 no! I was just gonna say, why don't we, why don't we talk about the you know Harrison Butker thing? Apparently that. Oh no, no, no! Are we that's, that's,
0: that's, No, 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 no! I was all on, okay, that, fine. on that train. We'll, we'll
2: talk about it.
1: We made a mistake. Harrison Butker should be our kicker. Yes, Graham Gano has been good this year. Harrison Butker has been good this year. Statistically, they're about the same. But as I've said, let's see. This is the nine hundred and thirty-seventh time. Graham Gano is ten times more expensive. Harrison Butker is ten times cheaper. That three and a half million dollars could have gone to buy us help at safety, cornerback, or any other position that we need help at. So yes, we should have kept Harrison Butker and cut Graham Gano. Yeah, but Graham Gano. Cutting this part. <laughs> you would
2: <laughs> fine. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Take over. Say what you want to say, John. Go oh, ahead. I
0: was gonna this say, I mean you have now. to do our give our review of Shula before we end anything.
2: Oh, that's right. We do have. To do that. yeah, that's go what ahead. we
0: started with. we and the Ed Dixon tirade.
2: Thanks for derailing us, Brad. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, John. Go ahead.
1: review.
0: it wasn't terrible. I wouldn't say it was good. I would. It was like very mediocre. We've talked about it a little bit earlier. My biggest gripe is that we're insistent on giving Jonathan Stewart the ball a ton and then wasting plays by giving Jonathan Stewart the ball. Um here's the other thing. I did a little little research. Oh, and you know how we're like we always like to um run the ball inside the three yard line. We always like to do our jumbo set, hand the ball off, run up the middle. Yeah. Did you guys see, I posted this in the, I think it was in the Monday Morning Optimist. Oh, uh, no, I did this in the postgame thread. If um, With less than three yards to the end zone, teams score 42% of the time when they run it. They score 59% of the time when they pass it. So, of course, we run it. So, run, 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 run all the time
1: oh speaking of that oh, speaking oh, of running watch. it inside the three we haven't talked about jonathan stewart's comical attempt to
0: jump over the defense and score <laughs> i said that before the play like he's kind of far away to try to jump over the line here and yeah and i mean he it was, was it, it, it didn't work because <laughs> he it knew it was coming but
2: it's
0: all about it a for effort brad is, as we've just heard from brad it's all about the effort he didn't quit um we less than one yard to the end zone. So this is with, like, you know, goal to go on the one-yard line. 49% of the time, if you try to run it, you actually score. 69% of the time, if you pass it, you score. I don't get why teams are so slow to adapt to factual information.
1: Now, let me ask this, and I'm sure you have the numbers how many times are they running it versus passing it? Because if it's like 69% of eight times versus
0: 49% of, you know, 200 times, it's enough for like a significant sample. Okay. Um, I
2: will say this just yeah, go ahead and talk for like
0: 30 that. seconds while I pull it up.
2: Okay. Well, um, I thought it was pretty comical that uh, I forget which drive it was. But it was early on in the game. Carolina was on like the one or two yard line. They ran the ball up the middle twice, didn't get it. And then on third down, like we, I knew what was going to happen on that play, which was that Cam Newton was going to fake the run and then run the bootleg and the jets still fell for it. It's like, how have teams not figured out yet that on third (laughs) down, Cam is going to hold on to the ball. Like I just, I, I'm glad that it worked obviously because you know, Panthers scoring touchdowns is conducive to them winning, but, like, how do you not know that yet? Like,
0: I'll tell you why. They've seen years and years of Panthers tape where we just hand the ball up up the middle and we don't ever roll out. Yeah, it's easy to get fooled by that one. Mm. Um, I looked at the wrong thing. Great job. Continue talking about stuff. Um, but, Brad, but I will say feeling? but here's no, nah, just why why I do this. Um, I saw when I made that comment in the the thread, somebody said you don't play football with a calculator, and I was like, that's kind of the problem. Somebody really said that. Yes. <laughs> Shout out to you, whoever you are. Um, I can't remember who it was.
2: My response would have been, "You're a calculator."
0: So. <laughs> um. Okay. So so far there have been. 219 plays run from the opponent's one yard line this year in the NFL. Um, 69, that's a recurring number in this in this discussion. Have them have been pass plays. Nice. nice. And um 150 of them, which is actually 69%, have been run plays. Nice. <laughs> numbers showing up all over the place. Um so yeah, it's 150 runs, 69 passes. Passes work 69% of the time. Nice. And runs work forty nine percent of
2: the time. Well, with those kind of numbers, what can you what can you
0: argue with
2: there? Six that five, it, football's seven, not five.
0: played with a calculator.
2: I can't believe
1: somebody
0: said that. Yeah. Um. So it just it goes along with the thing i said all season, where football and NFL ratings. This is another thing. Maybe if they were like more willing to adapt to like you know the fact that it's 2017 and not 1976, maybe it would attract more viewers because it seems like football, more than any other sport, is refuses to embrace any forward thinking. Everything is built around commitment, wisdom, and toughness.
2: Well, of course.
0: That's why the Rams call, are so that's good.
2: That's what we call tradition, bruh. Well,
0: that's why the Rams are so good. Sean McVay's like, doing new stuff, like... Breaking the huddle with twenty-five seconds left on the play clock, so he can call audibles for Jared Goff.
2: That is pretty brilliant, I must say.
0: But yeah, you um, see that, Brad? Yeah, pretty cool. It's a good idea. Yeah, I we thought so it.
1: too. I, I'm a big fan of Sean McVay. I kind of hate that the Rams got him. I wish we could have found a way to get him.
0: I mean, I'm but, I'm happy that it's the Rams, and it's not like I don't know. Like I'm glad it's Bill not Bells someone Tech like retires. the Cowboys
1: or the Patriots yeah. or. I'm, I'm glad it's the Rams. They deserve to be happy.
0: Yeah, it's not like it's like the Packers who go from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers. Like, at least it's a team. At least they deserve a... to be happy. <laughs> How do you feel if you're St. Louis? You had Jeff yeah, know, Fisher bro. for all those years. You, had, and then you, you were stuck with Jeff away. Fisher,
1: and then they moved, LA, and they moved to L.A., and they get the shiny new head coach. and they're, <laughs> so what, good. what are they, 8-3? Uh, and three? Yeah. They just beat I mean, the Saints,
2: too. Did us a favor.
1: How long did it take them to win eight games under Jeff Fisher?
0: Because they went like three and
1: thirteen and four. They and 12, never did. And
0: they, they never. Used, yeah.
1: They
2: never really broke the seven and nine. Yeah,
0: yeah. they said it. I, they said it somewhere that uh, with the Rams winning eight games is like the best season they've clinched their best season in like ten years.
1: I'm gonna look well, that up. Well, too bad we don't have a way to look up,
2: that up. Brad. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give my take on Mike Shula, which was, okay. I felt he actually called a good game. Um, I think that. Rams have a one. He will back me up on
0: this.
2: Yep. Right, they went eight and eight in
1: 2006. <laughs> and then they went, they won three, two, one, seven, two, seven, seven, six, seven, four. And now they've won eight. So yes, yep. they deserve to be happy. <laughs>
0: Continue, Brian. Welcome to
2: the Ram, the Rams podcast, 4th and Rams. This is Brian speaking. 4th and um, Rams. So, I didn't hate Mike Shula's play calling. I thought it actually was pretty good considering the fact that Cam missed a lot of throws. And Billy will back me up on this and obviously go check out his work on CSR because he had a really good article about execution. But Assuming he doesn't get the arrested there, and
0: banned off of Twitter.
2: the execution wasn't there and there were times where like i mentioned earlier greg olson was missed on what would have been an easy touchdown pass um you can't like the offensive coordinator is always going to be the scapegoat and there are times where mike shula has not called a good game i'm not going to say he hasn't but over the last few weeks he's called pretty good games and a lot of times the thing that was lacking more so than anything was the execution. And as a coach, he can't necessarily make that happen, but it seems like every year Mike Shula starts off the year with these real head scratchers of play calls. And like, as the season progresses, then you're like, wow, that was a really good play call. Like for example, the Kalen play run, that was a really good play call.
0: Um, He uses the first half of the season to intentionally do badly to set up the second half of the season. It's really a genius move.
2: I can't substantiate that because we don't have any evidence of it, but, you know, maybe. But, yeah, my overall grade for Mike Shula was I was pretty optimistic about his play calling. seems like he knows what to do with the pieces he has and they just need to execute.
0: Did you say you're going to give him a grade? Because you didn't really give him a grade.
2: Yeah, that that wasn't a grade. <laughs> my grade was optimistic.
0: Okay. He's like, I would give him a grade, and he did. My grade is he did okay.
1: Yeah, I was expecting B, B minus Susan, C.
2: I'm not. A, I'm not a middle school teacher. I don't have to stick to the grading system. I can stick with optimistic, and you guys can accept that and be okay with it. Because well, I'm not. So <laughs> well, I don't care, Brad. All right.
0: Oh, well, I gave him a C, I'm all, a C- so minus. So not a middle school teacher. My You're issue like, C- it was not minus. as much with the. <laughs> My issue, like, it wasn't as much with the situational play calling as so it was just the personnel issues. Like I said.
1: Yeah, I-, I, do that... wish, I do wish you would have stopped handing it to Jonathan Stewart so much, but.
0: Yeah, like we actually had some, showed some signs of aggression at the end there, throwing the ball when we we're trying to salt the game away. Even though it took, it was only on third and long, but we still at least tried. <laughs> yeah.
2: It was only when we absolutely had to get a third down. But, <laughs> but you know. uh,
0: we've had, in the past, we've gotten, it's been run run, and now it's like third and 13. We're like, I uh, don't want to risk messing up. We'll run. So at least we trusted Cam to try to throw it, and then we got the roughing the passer, which was an absolutely horrendous play by that defensive lineman. Yeah, to, I
1: cannot believe that that defensive lineman did that. You cannot risk. Yes, it's Cam and he barely ever gets that call, but you cannot do that. Like it's, it's just it, terrible, it, terrible, terrible.
0: You're you're in a position to get the ball back with a chance to win the game and you can't stop yourself from I mean all you had to do was just not shove him. Like it's okay if you land on him, like grab him, make sure he doesn't fall over, or whatever. He just like landed and it's like, oh, "Oh, look, free shot." And just shoved him to the ground right yeah. in front of the official.
2: Yeah, you're not the Denver Broncos. You don't you don't <laughs> get those on calls.
0: No, nah, if you really want to get away with it, you need to spear him with the crown of your helmet. <laughs> can't shove them to the ground fucking assholes man
2: <laughs> <laughs> so anything else you want to go over here guys
0: um I think You gotta we give we Michael
2: everything. Pilardi some love that's oh, true yeah. Michael Pilardi had himself a day and has had himself a season so I agree I thought, he should make the what, Pro Bowl.
1: That's how good he's been. Like, real talk, no joke, no Brad talking about punters. Not, no, he has been a Pro Bowl punter all year. His so
2: what, name's not Brad Norman, Brad. I think you need to calm down for a minute. Just is that why you
0: like Brad Norman so much? Because you guys were named brothers?
2: Yeah, That's probably what it was. Why not?
0: <laughs> Brad's um, got to stick together. My, my favorite thing about the polarity punting yesterday, he had like a 63-yard punt that the Jets punt returner let it land in front of him. I don't know what he was doing. I don't know if that was some polarity magic, but... uh, Yeah, you can't it was, let a it punt was, like
1: that hit the ground. Unless he was afraid he wasn't going
0: to catch it. It's those left-footed punters, man.
2: Yeah,
1: but if, if you're afraid you're going to catch it, why are you back there returning them? You yeah. know, John,
2: you, you're, make, you're joking about that, obviously, but it actually is true. Like, the ball spins differently when a left-footed punter is punting the ball.
0: Yeah, I, I think... I'm not saying that's the now. reason why
2: he didn't return it. No. I'm just saying that... I know it's an advantage. There, there, is, I, some, there is some, yeah. some, some grounds to that claim that
0: yeah ball Pilardi, is different. Polardi is ninth in the league in gross punting average, 4th in the league in net punting average, and... 4th uh, in the also, league... In, also
2: doubles as a backup quarterback, though so he yes, didn't get a chance to at
0: fourth it. in the league in yards um, per return, which is not all him. That's also the coverage team, but that has to do with his hang time as well.
2: That hang time
0: though, mm. its pretty good. Yep, pretty good. So, I say, he's also—I felt like he's never kicked a touchback, but he's kicked four.
2: Yeah, he generally tries to keep it. Within the twenty, yeah. which is, you know, always if nice. Um
1: this is just memory serving, but I believe his touchbacks are those deals where basically every punter is gonna kick it into the end zone. Uh uh like, like this, when the, end he's of the game from like... the thirty five yard line and you
0: shouldn't <laughs> be punting in the first place type deals. I've heard Pat McAfee's talked about those things before. He's like as a punter you absolutely hate it when the coach sends out the punt team in a situation like, Coach, you're killing my stats, you're killing my net right here. Yeah, actually, I do. I do believe he did kick that
1: fourth, uh, fourth and one from the thirty-five. He kicked that one into the end zone because that was one yeah, of the he things did. that we you were did. so mad at because it only we we saved fifteen whole yards by not doing mm-hmm. not going for it, and then they yeah. drove down the field and scored. They what? They drove down the field and scored.
0: Yes, they did.
2: Well, let's not hang, I on I covered at, everything, Brian. hang on the sins of our past here. The Bears game is over. It was unbearable, I know. But, a- Un- hey. Ah, I see what you did there. Um, well done. But, I think we are good until the next time. We'll talk about Saints playing the Panthers, which hopefully won't be as bad of a beatdown as it was, so.
0: Guys, yeah, have any, any yeah. last thoughts? Yeah, right. <laughs> Taking us out strong right now.
2: Did I cut off? Is that what happened?
0: No, oh, you, you're you just kind of like mumbling and t- just fading out. into.
2: I think my I had to re-plug my mic in, but I was just saying, Panthers play the Saints. We're going to talk about that more later. And, yeah, that was, that was it. That was all I was saying.
0: We'll see you guys on Friday, is what Brian is saying. With a yeah, basically somebody from Canalscrew Chronicles or something to talk to us about the Saints and what they've been doing so well and what their biggest concerns are and why the Panthers are going to win. That's what Brian was trying to say.
2: I don't know why it thinks I'm mumbling, but yeah, yeah, that's that's what I was trying to say. Anyway, all of us from Fourth and Short Podcast, have a good have a good have a good rest of your day.
0: See you. You guys see my cat at all doing that?
2: change the
1: world. No one ever wants to change themselves.
2: Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Aloha. I'm Clifford from your Manoa Safeway. Can't decide what to eat? Whether it's lunch or dinner, you'll find a perfect meal in the Safeway Deli. Handcrafted sandwiches, fresh sushi prepared by our in-house chefs, signature salads, our famous fried chicken and tenders. Add a side like creamy mashed potatoes or mac and cheese. All fresh and ready to go every day. Stop by this week to get a hot deal on rotisserie chicken, only $5.88 each with in-and coupon. This is Clifford from Manoa Safeway and we'll see you soon.